Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Elder Speak, episode 62. I should say issue 62, actually. Um, this week, uh, you may have noticed that last week we didn't post a podcast, and that's because of some uh, freak accident that was totally not my fault at all uh, that happened, and uh, which means we will be posting two episodes this week. So uh, on the post, uh, if you're listening on iTunes, uh, you can go to eldergeek.com and find the older episode, uh, or you can find it in the feed, possibly. Uh, and uh, with me today, I have Gavin Green. Hey, everybody. And Chris. Hi. <laughs> and we're moving right along into the news. Kevin? Okay, we got a, we're a bit of a sparse week here, comparatively speaking, but let's start out with a nice little um, point of contention here for us, especially being fan psych, fan community lovers as we are. Um, Rare has always had an iffy relationship with its fan bases. It's... Um, had of a bit of a PR problem in that regard usually, and unfortunately this past week it's just been hit harder in that regard. Um, the biggest fan community for the developer Rare in the world, and I believe one of the biggest period in the world in the, in the games industry at least, is called Mondo Rare. They've been um, going on for almost 10 years at this point. No, excuse me, more than 10 years. And they've covered practically every aspect that you could cover of a developer without actually working there. And unfortunately, they wanted to take it a step further. They're planning on shooting a uh, not, uh, at least not-for-profit documentary on the developer, so they would need access to, you know, their their studio to talk to people. And Rare was not too happy about that. They um, supposedly told them that it was not on message. And the rebuke that um, happened between or uh, happened between Rare and Mondo Rare, unfortunately, led the administrators for the site to declare that they're shutting down all activity. From that, so unfortunately, um, it does. It looks like we lost a pretty big community in that regard. Let me read the statement that they issued shortly afterwards. Despite its ambitious scope, we felt it was an irresistible offer. Uh, according, uh, you know, referencing, of course, the documentary. In fact, we are still puzzled over their response. It was a risk-free operation to be carried away, uh, carried away with all legal safety measures deemed necessary and full of good intentions. It simply makes no sense. It has changed our perspective of Rare forever and leaves us with no other option but to end our support for them. So kind of a sad, uh, kind of a sad way to go. And uh, Rare did leave a response, but I think I'll. Uh, Chip in, uh, let you guys chip in before we go to Rare's response to it. So, uh, any initial uh, thoughts on that, Mons? Well, uh, I, I never checked out Mondo Rare, but it seems to me like uh, this so this community built up itself really uh, around the, gig, the developers, perhaps uh, older games. Um, I'm not so sure that that uh, you know. Uh, these new Natal projects and, and, and stuff like that would garner such a, a you know, a loyal community as perhaps uh, uh, their old game, older games. So I'm not surprised that this happened. Uh, I think, you know, uh, you know, a, a documentary by the fans of the developer would probably not turn out as PR-friendly as, as Rare would like it to be. So... Yeah, I'm not that surprised. I'm a little saddened by it, though, because it uh, rare used to be one of those, um, you know, underground types of developers. Yeah, I'm also bummed out about yeah. it, but yeah, I'm not really that surprised either. They've rebranded, and this is just another sign that they don't want to live in the, the past anymore. The mm -hmm. old rare that we loved, um, or at least I loved, I know for certain, but... Uh, 
that's just, you know, it's like it's dead now. It's officially dead. Now they've got their new logo. They're doing Kinect games. They're doing avatars. Uh, they obviously don't want to rehash the past or remind people about what they did back then, I guess. I don't, hmm. uh, this seemed like a win-win. Um, and now all they've done is turned a potential, you know, really positive PR into the exact opposite. Yeah. And yep. Indeed, I mean, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. It'd have to be just this really stringent um, corporate goal of restructuring so severely that they wouldn't accept this kind of stuff. I mean, even if it wasn't as PR friendly as a professional documentary would be, or uh, any other endeavors, simply the fact of you know opening your doors to that kind of community support is really a really strong position for any developer to take. But again, like a Chris said that doesn't seem to be in the direction they're going. They don't necessarily need that kind of stalwart fan support in any way anymore, especially mm. from the hardcore community. But I'm going to let um, Rare uh, um, going to read their statement in regards to the matter. It's surprisingly clinical, very very sanitized here, um, very basic. Uh, they released it via Eurogamer a couple days after M Mundo Rare uh, announced its closing. Everyone at Rare was very sorry to hear that Mundo Rare was, would be closing. Where we've appreciated all their support and work over the years. We wish everyone involved with the site all the very best in the future. So again, very very whitewashed. Not a lot of uh, emotional attachment to it. But uh, mm. what do you guys think? Does this does this support your ideas of where where was going with this? I mean, I, I think you know, I, I don't know. I think maybe Mundoware was kind of wrong to shut it down because from what I've seen of communities uh, uh, of this size. Uh, it it starts life life of its own very soon after it gets a certain amount of members and it no longer has you know that much to do necessarily with its subject matter. So you know uh, communities on a site like Game Trailers, for example, it, it has built itself. I mean, half the people on Game Trailers hate the actual site Game Trailers, but they don't want to leave because it's such a great community, or at least you know mm. to their knowledge. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's obviously a very strong community because it has survived for 10 years, and I do not think it would be necessary to close it down just because the official subject matter is no longer officially supported. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, they could easily have rebranded the site or basically just leave it as it is. I don't think it would have mattered that much, and I don't think they would have lost support from their users, so... I think it's it's a strange decision to make, but it's it's an understandable one from a pride perspective. I I think the uh, the owners are more living in the past, like I was saying earlier. Mm. Um, I think another reason they don't want this made is because the past includes Nintendo, rival to Microsoft, and uh, you know that's kind of like get that away. We're we're not that rare anymore, and. An odd thing about this site is it actually started out as a Spanish website. That's why it's called Mundo World. Um, it was a Spanish-speaking website and grew out of that. And I agree with Mott's, uh, but I'm, I'm not sure about the community because I've never really been there. So who's to say it wasn't just like a big news site for Rare? So. Yeah. Good point bringing in the, the, the past uh, company associations there, Chris. Um, that was something I don't think many people... Uh, thought of when they first read the story, myself included. Mm. But um, any, any any final thoughts on Mundo and regular Rare? Any, uh... 
Or I Rare, think we wrapped it up pretty good. I respect that Rare is trying to change their image and change uh, and move into the future. Uh, they did have great games in the past, but uh, they, there's nothing to say they couldn't have great but different and perhaps more family-friendly games uh, now and in the future. So, you know, I just think this is the case of, of the fans, uh, uh, you know, not evolving with the developer. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Good enough for me. I, well, right. Let's move on with that um, bit of a melancholy note there. <laughs> so let's move on to Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro, um, longtime favorite developer of many video games fans. Um, probably not even because most have seen, uh, most haven't seen the, his films. It's because he's always been very supportive of the artistic abilities of video games, especially in their storytelling methodologies, if you will. And apparently, Del Toro has gone more than just supporting the industry. He's actually inside it now. Apparently, um, he spoke to MTV's Multiplayer Games blog a while back, saying that he is working with a big video game company on big video game projects. Emphasize, of course, the finger quotes on that. And uh, we don't know exactly what they are right now, but we do know that he has a couple film projects also in the works, the biggest one being a kind of Pirates of the Caribbean-esque action reboot of the Haunted Mansion ride. So that could be that could be at least one of the games. These are multiple games with a big video game company, but that is unfortunately all we know right now. So why don't we uh, start with you, Monsa? What do you think? Now, see, you, this, you, this uh, is the guy that did Pan's, Li- Pan's Labyrinth, right? Yes, this is Pan's yeah. Labyrinth, and he was going to do The Hobbit, but he stepped out. Right, okay. Uh, I think it's a great, great movement. I think more, perhaps more of these... Um, uh, Hollywood big shot, or not big shot, but Hollywood star star uh, directors should uh, start looking into <clears throat> the video game, uh, you know, uh, media because it's it's very similar and you could basically build a much more, you know, or you could be much more liberal in the way you build story structure in it. So, yeah, I think it's a great idea. I have no idea what it's going to be, obviously, because the guy wakes, makes weird stuff, but uh, it's probably going to be good. Well, oh, come I'm on, Monsa, at least, least predict, some, predict something. Uh, give, us like, give us, like, I don't know, a fantasy project from Del Toro. I'd like him, uh, I'd like him to, to take a crack at Silent Hill. See oh, what he can be get. interesting. Yeah, because, you know, Pan's Library is already kind of Silent Hill inspired, at least in terms of, uh, of character design. So uh, I'd like to see him uh, to, to try that. I, I want to see something completely new, different, wacky from him. Um, I'm hoping it's not a Hellboy video game. <laughs> as cool as Hellboy is. Uh, I'm also curious who has signed him because EA Inc. Spielberg. I'm curious if Activision is going to go with like the younger, cooler director uh, with him. Or if EA is going to get another uh, Hollywood director. Who's got Peter Jackson? Peter Jackson. Um, Peter Jackson doesn't. No, he's Microsoft, isn't he? He's supposed to make a Halo. He was going to make the Halo movie. Halo Uh, movie. All right, okay. That happened. See, I think he's supposed to be in the talks for some big game or something. I can't remember what it was. Anyway. I don't recall. I know. I I know he wanted to get Neil Blomkamp, his uh, his directorial prodigy, to do the Halo movie, but that's all I. No, so far, but I would actually disagree with you, Moss. I think the development of video games are very different 
than um, movies. And I actually think having a big film name attached to it actually works against the video game's credit. I, that's why uh, Chris brought up Steven Spielberg. And while he's always been more of a producer than a director, in my eyes, and just in terms of the quality he puts out as a producer uh, compared to a director, mm. I just I just really don't think it's a, unless they really have a love for the medium and a real beyond an appreciation, a structural knowledge of the development, which yeah. I don't know if Del Toro may have, but um, I think that's where you're going to have to attach it. And personally, I'm, I, I, would, I would put aside, I mean, um, I, I'm like everybody. I would love to see a Quentin Tarantino rock star game, but I would much prefer um, a, a director that would understand how to work within the medium. Otherwise, you're just going to get a very, you know, a very lackluster structure over perhaps one, two good ideas. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right about that. I think where I envision these uh, Hollywood directors and movie directors coming in is perhaps in a more creative role, creative director role, where they make the big decisions, uh, but the the actual structure of the game is left up to people who actually know what they're doing. So uh, you know, just as uh, Ubisoft have the creative director, what's his name? That uh, that's behind Assassin's Creed, you know. His main job is building the world and building the story. I think that's where these these movie directors could really do a good job. Yeah, and speaking of that uh, role, I mean, Steven Spielberg has been in video games for a while, but it's just been in a very limited capacity. I'm playing all the old LucasArts adventure games again, and a lot of them are based on conceptualizations by, you know, Spielberg or Lucas himself, mm. just because that's, you know, it's an attachment of Lucasfilm, and they have all those directors and producers offhand, or at least they can bring them in. And I think, yeah, I agree with you. That's the good capacity for non-video game savvy directors. But like you, I would really like to see video game savvy directors and producers get into actually making projects, because I think this is where everyone's going to end up eventually. Mm. I think we're going to outpace films in general within this generation. So I'm pretty sure people need to get on it now if they want to have a job in 30 years. Yeah, I mean, we're, we've already passed uh, music and um, something else. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, we're on the way. We're coming. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, any final thoughts, Chris, before we move on? No. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, then let's move on to I think the uh, the most uh, as different a person as we can get from uh, Guillermo del Toro, and that's uh, Richard Garriott, aka you may know him as Lord British, the developer and creator of Ultima, among many, many, many thousands of other little things. And apparently, he also knows his way around a legal lawsuit, or is there any other kind of lawsuit? Never mind. Um, back in 2008, he was terminated allegedly improperly from NCSoft and unfortunately they didn't give him uh, enough time according to him to sell off his stock usually this is a period that can range up to 10 years they only gave him supposedly reading from the actual lawsuit here um, less than a year and finally a federal court has sided with him uh, originally he list uh, he put forth a 47 million dollar claim on fraud and breach of contract charges and they gave him ultimately 28 million out of 48 uh, out of 47 million. So pretty hefty chunk of change there. I'm not exactly sure how NC Soft is going to take that on the chin, but that's what happens. Don't mess with Lord British, man. I don't. I really don't think that needed to be said. Any guy that you know proclaims himself a lord without you know actually having mm. the uh, the dictation to back it up <laughs> should should be pretty pretty simple to understand. But 
Um, what do you guys think? I mean, the guy has his DNA in space. Just don't mess with him. <laughs> uh, I think uh, NC South will do just fine. Uh, they are a big company in, in Asia. They have a lot of small micro um, payment MMOs and stuff like that. So they make quite a bit of money, I believe. But uh, Lord British, on the other hand, um, yeah, it's cool. You know, good for him. Uh, I, I imagine that the reason the court almost halved his his claim was because he just uh, basically wanted to get a cheap buck out of this. I don't think he really cared that much. Uh, you know, you can sell stock in one year if you want to. It's not that hard. So, yeah. Yeah. The big issue though is uh, if he had the ten years. He- um, like who's to say what the stock price would be then? So he had to sell it low, mm. which lost a lot of money. So that was his True. big uh, issue, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, imagine. I guess he was promised ten years as well. So I mean, kind of got screwed there, and that's where this whole thing came from. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Either way, he mm. definitely comes out on top here. So uh, best of luck to NCSoft, and apparently they are considering all options for next steps in the legal process. So this may not be the last we've heard of the Lord British lawsuit. But (laughs) until then, that's all we got now. Yeah, Richard Garriott has a way of keep popping up out of nowhere uh, every every couple of years. What's he done lately in terms of games? He did um, the MMO. Wasn't he Tabula Rasa? Yeah, Tabula Rasa. That's like four years ago or something. That's the last thing I think he did. Well, I mean... MMO maintenance does take a lot out of you, and it, you know we've had. Um, yeah, but that's, that game is closed down. On. That game, you know, the server is yeah. closed down for like two years or something now. So, mm. I don't know. Um, Chris, do you, are you familiar with Garriott's? Uh, are you familiar with Garriott's gameography? Chris, um, did he do Ultima? Yes. Oh um, yeah, he did Ultima. Yeah, um, so, at least yeah, yeah, that's where he got real famous. Yeah, so, I mean, but, he's been in the MMO community, so I would expect another MMO from him, that or, you know, leisurely relaxing on the beach for the rest of his life, because he'd probably I, afford that. I imagine that's what he worked on, because that's basically what NC Self does, it just creates a bunch of MMOs, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um... Yeah, he definitely has name recognition, so he can attach himself to any project. But $28 is a nice bit of vacation change, so I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if this is a bit of a breather room for him. But what do you say we move on to a couple of um, prospective IPs coming out from new people? We have two uh, companies here, Insomniac and the Wipeout Dev, known as Sony Liverpool, both announcing and not clarifying on new IPs. We have a job posting, first of all, from Sony Liverpool asking for a person to help bring the most realistic, intense, and action-packed game experience available. The uh, posting is specifically asking for knowledge about... what? Let me see here. Where are you? <laughs> Trying to read my uh, post here. Um, they're, a- they're asking for experience, encyclopedic knowledge of games, especially third-slash-first-person action. So usually, you know, action's a very broad term. It could be mean racing, like Wipeout, which is what they usually do. But here they're specifically asking for third- and first-person mm. action games, which is something they're not necessarily too familiar with. So a new territory for them. And on the other side, before we go to uh, our opinions on them, Insomniac, of course, recently going multi-platform, has, has announced a new PS3-exclusive project that will be screened at PAX, which is coming up September 4th. 
um, their panel is specifically. And pre- uh, pretty much it is um, practically guaranteed to be Resistance 3. They just haven't said what it is. So taking both of those into account, uh, Chris, what do you think? I think Resistance 3. I have absolutely no idea what the other one could be. But hopefully it's good. Um, yeah, I'm... I, I, it's kind of neat though, like PAX, they're, they're announcing it, but I need to see um, more announcements coming out of a, a fan-oriented uh, convention, as opposed to more the industry only. It's neat to see that stuff. So. See, as, see, you know, if this keeps going, it won't be a fan-oriented convention anymore. I wouldn't mind if it was a publisher oriented. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if it was a publisher oriented. I think um, Chris's main issue is if it's just not necessarily an industry um, related event as opposed to something like publisher or developer oriented, which I agree with definitely. Yeah. Developer oriented is much cooler for the uh, consumer. But Moss, what do you think? Where are you on the action IP and uh, Insomniac well, IP? That, that's well, totally it, not Resistance Three. Well, you know, if it's not Resistance 3, uh, which is weird because it, they already sort of announced it, yeah. Uh, then um, I'm going to be surprised because I would have thought their next big IP would be multi-platform since they, since they uh, have a partnership with EA now, I think. Um, so, yeah, if it's not Resistance, then I'm really excited. If it is Resistance, then... Yeah, cool. Another resistance. Yeah, uh, but uh, but nothing more. And on the subject of uh, of uh, Sony Liverpool, which did um, which did uh, wipe out or which does wipe out, that I am excited for because they know graphics. Those guys are kings of making things look good. So just on that, just on that basis, I just want to see what they what they churn out. Uh, I have no idea what it could be though. Hopefully, it's like a third-person shooter set in the Wipeout world. That would be cool with the skyways going on <laughs> over uh, in the sky. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. They're also yeah. very good at uh, post-release DLC. Like, yes. Uh, Wipeout HD has a lot of DLC. Granted, it's paid, so it's not like well, Criterion and Burnout Paradise. Yeah. No, not all of it, but they're not they're not Criterion games. They're not releasing mm-hmm. weekly free DLC to this thing, but. Yeah. Uh, should be interesting to see where they go, at least. And at this point here, it is still a job opening. This is not an official announcement. So considering they're looking for a senior designer or um, a very high-up designer, I don't think we're going to be seeing any of this for a while. But like both of you, it's Resistance 3. There's just nothing that Insomniac could be that far um, into production with to reveal next month, aside from Resistance 3. Mm. Unless they've had a secret project going on for a while now, which just doesn't make any Unless sense, that's... because if they do Resistance yeah, if, if that's why we haven't seen Resistance 3 yet. Because it, it should have been shown, like, last year at E3. Mm-hmm. Because I remember we had the whole billboard leak, uh, I think January of 2009. So, yeah. I don't remember when that happened, but yeah, it was very early on, I agree yeah. with you. So, yeah, who knows? But um, that's all we have right now, so let's... Uh, Let's move on here. Some basic, some absolute duh news, which uh, will surprise absolutely no. Okay, will survive uh, surprise maybe one person that's been living in like the the fields of North Dakota for the last eighteen years and just got internet. But StarCraft Two is so, uh, StarCraft Two has sold a shit ton of copies. Who knew? Um, it is the best selling game of 2010 within 24 hours. And again. 
Who knew? But within the first 48 hours here, we have a reported 1.5 million units sold. And uh, it is both the fastest-selling strategy game of all time now. It is also the fastest-selling PC game from GameStop since, well, another Blizzard title, uh, World of Warcraft Wrath of the Lich King Wrath of the Lich King in 2008. So, big surprise, surprise, Blizzard sells a shit ton of PC games. Yep. I think, uh, I think we also this coming. <laughs> I actually think it's coming in a bit low on my expectations. Yeah, I was I think, expecting much higher. I'm wondering, does this include, uh, North, no, South Korea? Because if it did, I would expect those numbers day one just from that country, so. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure we're confined here to um, to the states because yeah. it's focused mainly on GameStop and they have the biggest presence in the states. But yeah, I'm ex- I was expecting you know a Modern Warfare two levels. I was expecting it to shoot out of the water when you took in world uh, world sales into account, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, I you'd think that with all the hype and a 12 year wait, but you got to think about accessibility as well. It's much easier to jump into a first-person shooter than it is for an RTS. RTS is a lot more difficult um, to play and to learn and to get good at. An FPS, you know, you just point and shoot. Yeah, that would be valid if it weren't for the fact that half the globe has been playing this game for 12 years. (laughs) They've also been playing... They've also been playing, you know, Warcraft 3 and stuff, so... Um, yeah, true. I don't know. There's a lot of hype with this game. I'm sure it'll it'll start to sell more, and I think you're going to see a lot of sales coming from the World of Warcraft community because um, it's being advertised all over, you know, WoW. Like, when you boot up the client, there it is, StarCraft 2. And with the real ID connection where you can chat to your friends between these games, StarCraft 2 people are going to try to get their... What the hell... Going to try to get their um their Warcraft from being attacked by dogs. Um, <laughs> yes, there you go. I'll be right back. Okay. If we well, hear a loud, uh, high, high squealed scream in the background, we just know to call the cops now. <clears throat> Absolutely, but like um like he brought up a ton of good points as he has been doing all of this issue um. I think it has pretty. I think any game, the only games that could hold up in terms of overall sales legs. I mean, is probably a Mario game. I mean, StarCraft has the longest longest legs in the PC market, absolutely for sure, totally. And um, as we know, when it's um, in the areas that hasn't sold a lot of, it's already outsold the lifetime sales of Star, the original StarCraft, like in the mm. UK, <laughs> day one, more games sold than ever were sold of StarCraft mm. One. So, I mean, yeah, it's, um, we're just going to see it steadily selling more and more and more and more and more. It's just, I was expecting a bit more, a bit bigger of a launch, but I, I'm not too surprised, I guess. I'm I, I'm just expecting these numbers to stay steady for a, a pretty significant amount of time now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I also think that this uh, puts Blizzard in an interesting position with Battle.net, because I think Battle.net is the next uh, Steam. So I think maybe Blizzard is going to try and start comp- competing a bit with uh, with WoW on that front because it's just such a huge uh, service. It's such a comprehensive service that could definitely uh, see the light of day as a as a uh, sort of separate entity. Mm. I 
I think Battle.net's going for more of a social networking thing over more of a distribution kind of thing. True. At the moment. Ah, you survived the dogs. <laughs> I, I did. They, they spared me. <laughs> Good job. But um, speaking of social networking and developing, let's uh, let's continue within the uh, the online gaming sphere and go to a little bit of a problem that anyone that's gamed online for a significant amount of time probably knows. And we're talking about the rage quitter. That is person that's either losing a game or loses a game uh, loses a game completely and completely ditches the uh, the game that he's currently in and that really message uh, really messes everyone else that's currently playing up in terms of. Um, server dynamics, et cetera, et cetera. I don't necessarily have a list of technical terms with me, but Bungie is on your side. People that hate hate rage quitters, as they always have. Halo Reach is supposedly going to provide a system that is specifically aimed at removing rage quitters from everybody else. Now, how this is going to work here, I have a quote here from Brian Gerard, or Gerard, I don't know how to pronounce it, but he is Bungie's community director, and I'm just going to quote him here. I think one. Um, da, 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 da. I think one of the uh, new things people will be excited about too is how we're going to be able to penalize people who are habitually quitting out of games, which isn't exactly cheating, but it creates a really negative experience for everyone else in the game. We actually have new tools how to detect that, and eventually, people who do this habitually will be penalized. We want we want to be able to remove them from the population so they can't make everyone else keep having a bad time. Unfortunately, we don't um, have exactly the schematics of how this will be done. But it's nice to see that developers are definitely taking this into account because something like this has really remained a problem for much longer than it should have. It seems like something. It seems like um, an easy fix for a developer that puts enough time and energy behind it. I just don't think anyone has. But uh, months. See, I disagree. I don't think it is an easy fix because you have to account for so much, and even so, it can misfire. So. Uh, <laughs> I can only imagine that the way they're doing this is that they're keeping stats over, you know, uh, when a player quits a game, uh, what what uh, you know uh, position he was in, on the leaderboards when he quit the game, how recently he died after he quit uh, before he quit the game and stuff like that, and then you know tag him for rage quitting, and then as 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 he gets more tags, he gets a penalty. The problem is that this is also true for really really bad players all the time. So you don't have to be a rage quitter, you just have to be a horrible, horrible player, and it'll still tag you. And that is why uh, most uh, developers just ignore the whole thing uh, entirely, because they it, they run the risk of uh, of penalizing uh, people who really shouldn't be penalized. So, uh, barring that they have some sort of new revolutionizing way of, of, of detecting this, I'm not so sure it's a good idea. Hmm. I think it's going to be a lot more simple, uh, not so complex. I think it's going to be a percentage based thing. If you leave a game, like you don't finish the game, you get docked as a lever. And if you complete a game, you know, you're docked as completing a game. And um, basically, if you have uh, like a 30% lead percentage, then you'll be a rage quitter. Say you leave, you know, three out of every 10 games. And that's that's how it's going to be. I think it'll be just really, really simple like that. And that's even worse, in my opinion, think... because then you uh, just penalize people who happen to have shit happen to their lives and can't sit around and play forever. <laughs> oh, it's going yeah, to be guess, difficult, but... especially yeah. 
I think there'll be a barrier that you have to pass, like, you know, 100 games or something. Yeah. And at that point, really, I mean, you've already made so many other people suffer. It's it's difficult to see how, uh, you know, the positive side of that. I think, actually, they're going to bring the community into this a lot. I think they're going to have – I think you're going to have a much easier way, a method of having people um, declare – others to be, um, you know, problematic users. I think um, there's going to be a, a method of, uh, well, explicit. or at least notification out of that. I mean, yeah, you're going to get people that just, you know, piss on other people just for fun mm-hmm. or just do it because they hate their gaming. But um, I think all of this combined, while problematic on, on uh, in and of themselves combined, they're going to give a decent enough picture mm-hmm. for moderators and administrators to take action. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think you know Xbox already has the player rating stuff though, so you know there's definitely potential in there. I just don't think it's that important. I mean, come on, we've all done it. We've all rage quit. If you don't think something is fun, you generally don't want to keep doing it. So I, I just uh, I think they're making a problem out of something that really shouldn't be that big of a problem, especially in the shooter where when a pe- pe- person leaves, another one just joins. It's not that big a deal. So. Yeah, it's it's strange. I've I don't think I've ever rage quit, but then again, I've never really been that active in the online community anyway. Mm. So I, I can definitely see it being easy to just you know um, throw your hands up in the air, say fuck it, and quit in the yeah. middle of a game. So I, I'm not you know I'm not saying that um, Bungie or even me are are like looking to really hammer down on these people as evil evil people, but I definitely think that they're um, oh what the hell slow. Thank you, um, popping up advertisements. That is, um, I'm not even going to say it. That's rather rude of them to come and try to advertise in our podcast without even paying us. <laughs> I'm actually on, on the site, and unfortunately, um, a lot of advertisements, as you may know, if you even roll over them, that's not even clicking them as you're going over the site, they'll just start playing. So thank you for that. But I think that's a good way to end it. I think they said enough on the. I think they the advertisement spoke for me on that. I think it was pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. So uh, why don't we move on then to uh, another podcast? Spare me the embarrassment a little bit here. Um, let me see. Uh, let's let's go to uh, The Sims. Everyone loves The Sims. Everyone's played The Sims, and apparently we're going hardcore past-oriented with The Sims now. We've had them in their own city. We've had them singles. We've had them in the uh, we've had them in the herbs. We've had them in the suburbs. We've had them going on trips, and now we're going into the past. We're, um, EA has announced The Sims Medieval, which of course means we're going back to the Middle Ages which seems delightful, although it, I'm not exactly sure how I can trap my Sims and have them die of inability to go to the bathroom now, which makes me sad. But, uh, lack of toilets aside, we have a lot of interesting gameplay possibilities now, and um, just from basic screenshots release, we everything that you can possibly imagine here, we have castles, peasants, uh, scholars, swords, jousting, pretty much everything that you think of when you think of medieval Yeti. is here, and it has... <laughs> Guillotines, perhaps, yes. Yes. Kings and queens, knights and wizards, blacksmiths and bards, as the people say it. So, and apparently we have quests too, so maybe even Sims RPG. But um, all the info's on the on the site, and there's a lot of info on that. So we're just going to go with that basic description now. Mots, are you uh, are you ready to take it back to uh, what party like it's 1599? See, or wait, no, that I hate being the negative dude all the time. So I'm just going to start off with this. Uh, 
Uh, you know, good on them. I think this will sell. I think the you know major demographic that buys The Sims is the kind that would love this kind of thing. I'm not one of them. I like The Sims for two things. Uh, building cool, modern, futuristic houses that I imagine myself living in in 20 years when I'm rich and famous. Uh, or uh, trapping Sims in a room without a door. So Exactly. I mean, yeah. torture Sims, that's... The entire reason. I think that's all that males do. Women actually, uh, women gamers actually try and play the game as it was yeah. intended. Guys just try to kill them all. We're like, <laughs> we're all like those, the, those, you know, acne riddled kids with the uh, magnifying glass and the ants. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I think it's fantastic that they're doing this. I think you know, they they have to do something with The Sims to to make it fresh again, uh, and they can do this, and then they can come out in ten years and release a whole new awesome futuristic thing sims but um yeah i I think it's a good thing i just don't care (laughs) maybe sims real uh, real quick yeah what What was that i said maybe sims futurama Ooh, nice one that'd be kind of cool yeah That'd be pretty cool. I just want to make a real quick correction. I uh, told Moss to party like it's 1599. That's the Renaissance. That's not medieval. I do know my history, so I'll just I'll just change that to what 1199. Sure, why not? Yeah, um, let's do that. <laughs> but either way, please, please, uh, Chris, conti- uh, continue before I lose my complete credibility. Um, I I like Mots. I've never had any interest in Sims games. Um, really. Uh. I would probably do the same thing, a doorless uh, room. This actually does seem intriguing to me. I love history, and if I was able to create um, something out of the past, that seems like fun. I just think it might be a little too cartoony for my taste. I like more of a realistic, um, I guess an adult-ish sim, as opposed Mm. to a cartoony, you know, whoop, 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 whoop kind of stuff, so... Very yeah. nice. Another Futurama reference, in essence. Imagine the Sims, with, <laughs> uh, dude, Imagine the Sims with bloody mur- murders and de- decapitations and just <laughs> things going horribly, yeah. horribly wrong. That would kind of be cool. I want, I want them to get their torches and try to burn down my castle. I know, want to recreate like the uh, the torture scene from uh, from uh, the uh, what's the what's the name? Braveheart. Braveheart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think they just need to uh, they they just need to release the Sims sadistic span, uh, expansion pack and give it to you too specifically just yeah. so you could uh, <laughs> and whatever they do just a universal uh, collection of textures you can apply to whatever object that they're using to kill people mm-hmm. with um, I actually don't I actually think um, um, we, this is a spring 2011 release so it may uh, avoid the time frame here, but I think people that like you that want a bit more rotund experience, a bit more uh, uh, detailed, not a uh, less cartoony um, experience, are are getting it with Fable Three. I think um, that still has enough of the swords and magic aesthetic to it, and they're allowing you to build a kingdom. Um, they were just recently released the Village Creator trailer, um, so check out the internets for that. But um, I think that's much more in line of what we want specifically. I do think that you know I'm just not exactly sure like uh, you two, how they're going to extend this into a longer gameplay experience, especially adding these supposedly, you know, hero sim characters and RPG elements and quests. I'm not sure mm. how they can stretch this out beyond, you know, a cool demo. I would correct, so, though, um, that... But Sorry, go ahead. 
No, please. No. I, I was going to correct you. I think, uh, not correct you, but in my opinion, uh, Fable is, is really too cartoony as well. I like Fable, but uh, I think maybe, you know, uh, The Elder Scrolls would be, would be more in line with, yes. uh, with uh, what we want. Oh yeah, I just brought up Fable because it's gonna be re- it's gonna be released within a year of Sims Medieval. Oh, yeah. So I was just trying to. Then again, people that really want the detailed medieval experience are gonna have a lot of other things between that and Spring 2011 too. The Witcher 2 for one. So yeah. um, I'm I'm just not sure of the exact audience that's gonna like the game. I know people will buy it. I'm not sure how how long of legs this idea has. And I don't think it necessarily has to. I think this just needs to sell. And if people aren't interested in DLC, EA will just, you know, go to Sims Renaissance or mm-hmm. Sims Enlightenment or Sims way. You don't see the potential for, for young girls here? You know, white knights riding in to rescue the princess. Cetera, I think they'll like the idea, but actually but actually playing it will bore the crap out of them because um, everyone wants to be, you know, all the little girls want to be a princess, but when they actually, you know, get an ability to role play as a princess, they're bored as hell <laughs> because the princess's life, uh, even in the storybooks is very dull and tedious. Unless of course you have the massive suitors. So, and that's going to take a lot of um, building uh, to get for the, uh, you know, in the Sims in order to structure the game where you're going to get, uh, you know, that far into it to get the character interaction of that level. So I don't think the, you know, the, the pretty princess lobby is going to get, find much attraction in the, uh, at least the initial g- gameplay experience of Sims Medieval. I just, I just have to ask, why did you describe suitors as massive? Is that from personal experience? <laughs> what was that? I didn't why, hear you. <laughs> why did you describe suitors as massive? A massive amount of suitors, oh, yeah. not massive sure. suitors and giant. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do love the twenty, uh, the twenty foot tall ladies. Yes, no, um, no, massive amount of suitors. Forgive the lack of uh, declarative uh, declarative participles. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, any final thoughts before we leave the medieval ages? Hopefully for a long time. I predict five million in sales. Boom. <laughs> wow. Throwing it out there, laying it another, all on the line. Yeah. Another few million for the fantasy pack that comes with that. Yeah. Hmm. Rock on. Good good thoughts all around. Let's see. Um, looks like we have about one more um, news stories to go for this week. So let's – oh, no, wait, no, I'll, I'll round it out with another one. So let's just go real quick here. Um, always fun to talk about lawsuits. We love them here at Elder Geek. It's practically um, our biggest news draw. Here we have EA Sports, again, like they do practically every year, getting sued over player likeness. Now, if you recall, um, let me see, Madden NFL has incorporated gradually a lot more historical uh, character models, character names, character attributes. And apparently this hasn't really sat well with a lot of retired NFL players. Uh, they don't like their numbers being used. They don't like the way they've been um, uh, portrayed. They say it's not uh, it's it's not accurate. It's not true to the person. So they've been sued quite a few times. This is not just one. This is a class action lawsuit with a lot of very rich uh, or formerly rich uh, retired NFL players. And um, we'll just cited as one back in June 2009, 28.1 million, and that was chump change. So let's see, what else do we have here? No, that's EA is just going through it again. Oh, EA, will you never learn? Yeah, I mean, why would you 
Uh, it's, it's just, I, I understand them. You know, if, if, if someone created your likeness in the game, didn't even consult you on it, and didn't pay you, I'd be pretty pissed. You know, it's just, it's a right we have. You know, it's our image. We have the right to uh, be a part of the decision-making behind it, so... It's, uh... um, that's a bit iffy. That's a bit iffy for sports stars, um, specifically in the use of their numbers and their um, and you know their their appearance when they played. Um, a lot of that actually is you know a subsidiary of a subsidiary of a subsidiary in terms of rights because yeah. you're part of a, you're part of a team which is part of a league which is part of a franchise which is owned by about sixteen corporations. You personally have licensing deals with about six corporations. So really, what I'm interested, uh, what I'm, uh, oh, granted, a lot of those uh, corporate, um, what's the word, um, associations with you are very temporary, but you still have all of this stuff that's above you in terms of people that can bitch about your likeness. Um, so this is just, I think, a lot of a hot air because I really don't think they have the kind of really solid standing that they think they do. Because um, uh, sports players don't own as much of themselves as they think. It's kind of like being, a, you know, being an actor in 1930s Hollywood or a prostitute at pretty much any point in time. You're not, uh, you're not entirely owned by yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think I just think it's a bit, bit of a sketchy kind of thing because if EA had gone in and and actually talked to these people before putting them in the game, then I would understand. But you know, they're retired, they're basically done with the whole game, and then suddenly something happens and they're brought into the light again, and uh, and it is, you know, a recreation of them that they had nothing to do with. So I do see why they're a bit miffed. I just, uh, I agree, they might not have the specific rights for that, you know, uh, thing, but uh, whatever that thing is, I don't know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it just... It, it's a bit of a bad situation, I think, for for both parties. I just I just can't take pity on a person that gets um, several one hundred and twenty million dollar advertising deals for basically three television spots a year. I just mm. I, I'm like I'm sorry that you feel bad that your likeness is being used within your own field to greater uh, dignify your past uh, that your past work. I am so sorry. Mm. Please stop crying into your hundred dollar bills and um, sue them over this. I. And then again, that's just you know the the what the blue blooded liberal in me screaming out, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, I do completely understand. I, you don't like you don't like it when you're dragged through the mud after you're out of it. I I, I can see that. I well, just it's really, not uh, just that. It, I, it wouldn't really matter what they do to you. It's the fact that they don't ask. You know they don't. You know if if someone. Uh, I mean it's. Uh, it's the same if you, uh, I don't know, I, I, I have this idea that you should own your image. I mean, it shouldn't be up for, you yeah. know, uh, I don't know if, if that's, that's the way that's it works. That's the problem for, yeah, that's the problem with a lot of people in the public spotlight. That's um, First Amendment rights cover everything. That's why um, actors can no, no longer waste time suing tabloids. Mm. You're not, your likeness and image are not owned by you. That's the entire point. So, um, I mean, we had a case here. Let me look it up here. Um, Jim Brown, former NBA player and uh, NFL player, sued EA Sports back way back when for this exact reason, likeness used without consent. That his case outright dismissed over First Amendment rights. Just yeah. barely made it to court. It's a very so, good point. I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't thought about it's it. It's a lot different. I mean, if 
if you like walked out and a bunch of tabloids suddenly had Mots Polska, you know, walks and gets the, and gets the mail naked like you do every day, and they had pictures of you all over the world, yeah, that could be an interesting thing because they literally ripped you out of nowhere. But once you gain that sort of um, fame that comes with sportsdom or um, any other field of public entertainer, then mm. it really gets difficult in terms of likeness rights. Right. Now, now what you guys are missing, though, is uh, a lot of the likeness things. They're, they're brought in with a ton of former players. And a lot of these, like way back like 20, 30 years ago, NFL players did not make the million millions they do now. They weren't crying into $100 bills. That This is now. Back then, it was a lot less pay. You got hurt a lot more, and they're all dealing with health issues now. At least a ton of them are. A lot of them are broke or um, you know just barely scraping it by. Um, some of that due to just you know, not uh, maintaining their finances well, being foolish with money. But others, they're just poor, and uh, that's how um, these suits happen. It's because of the old players, the um, the ones that didn't make it big that you don't really think about, whose likenesses are also being used. So while like the big ones True. like Jim Brown, um, you know, you know, go cry or whatever, there's like the the unknown people that you know, I guess, kind of suffered this. I agree, their likenesses aren't theirs. Um, you know, the teams, the teams uniform them. They played for the teams. Uh, they're part of that. But um, again, with Mots, you know, I don't know. I, I'm more with Gavin on this. I think I am as well, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I do I do I didn't neglect to uh, think that far in terms of comparative salary, Chris. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, they uh, lice uh, in the past ten years practically. Um, advertising deals have launched ten ten times that amount for the bigger sports stars. Granted, everyone uh, you know, sports stars have always found a way to get the bi- the biggest possible advertising. Uh, kickbacks, but uh, just in terms of advertising in general, that's expanded greatly. So yeah, a lot of people may be having financial troubles. I would argue that um, that uh, they, a lot of them would probably be on the bad financial management side, as as opposed to people that just you know rested on their laurels for tar- far too long. But um, yeah, uh, we come to the basic point that likeness is not their own. But I I'm pretty sure we uh, we're all pretty set on uh, yep. where uh, on our discussion here. Any final thoughts? No, sounds good. No, No, poor NFL players. Poor, poor NFL players. What do you you say? We let's round it out for this week, shall we? Let's do Uh, that. We got one more. We got one more news story, and it's we go from legal and financial to the government, don't we? Always. Mm -hmm. This time it's Vietnam, and um, (laughs) always a fun place to be. Uh, This time. Online play is getting severely restricted. The Ministry of Information and Communication has placed new, um, keyword new, stricter regulations on online gaming in the in the entire country. And um, of course, as always, the uh, the excuse is we're thinking of the children. Um, this is we're not exactly sure how they're going to be implemented. Where uh, these aren't necessarily completely um, passed yet. But um, all the measure, measures as they existed when we got the story bans all overnight online gaming from taking place over public access channels. And all advertisements for online gaming, period, are completely banned. And this is uh, – it doesn't seem like a lot. You know, online gaming for kids. Eh, in, in the States, we think, what, um, free worlds or whatever the hell they're, whatever the hell they're called, niche market. Mm-hmm. Three million Vietnamese children engage in online gaming, 75% during weekdays, 100% on the weekends. 
So even though this is a temporary measure, even though it's uh, it's it seems pretty aggressive, it has a major effect on the economy. So, but apparently, the people support this. This is based on large scale outcries in the country over the the effects of online gaming, and it's the usual routine: violence, gambling, porn turns them corrupt. So. Mm-hmm. Basically, like we've had all the time here, but Vietnam's taking more decisive action, as it were. So, Monch, you are our, our, our resident political analyst, <laughs> if we can call you that. So, uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> but I know, pretty pretty desperate situation for us here at Elder Geek. But uh, what do you think, as a as a non-American looking at Vietnam, just getting a, your perspective? Uh, you know, it's the same thing with all these things for me. It's old people that don't understand. Uh, anything, uh, you know, getting, crying out and getting stuff uh, that shouldn't be changed, changed. Uh, I would I would be very surprised if any of the people who go out against this, uh, who, who demanded this happen in Vietnam, uh, are, you know, in a large part younger than 30. I would be very surprised to see that. Um, I just, I've said so much on these different cases that's basically the same thing so I'm just going to say don't the current governments and don't you know the older generation realize that they're not going to stay around forever and by by you know if this is not going to last forever once the, the the younger generations take over power this is eventually going to change because gaming is becoming an increasingly big part of society, no matter where you are in the world, almost, except the Middle East. So, it's just, it's it's foolish, it's unnecessary, and it's not going to last. So it's just, yeah, a bad move. Oh, Moss, uh, always our candid guy. Chris, <laughs> what about you? Um... Yeah, I see this as the older generation trying to maintain a stranglehold on the youth and to control the information that they obtain. Basically, you will learn, you will um, grow, evolve as we see fit so they can maintain everything as it is. Um, It's kind of standard for that stuff. Uh, I think it is also dumb. I don't know. Uh, See, the thing is, you say the youth, will eventually rise up and take over. I do agree with that to an extent. It just depends which of the youth takes over because it could be power-hungry, corrupt youth that will continue to um, force the information they want in order for them to now maintain power, even though they'll be privileged to all the cool stuff. So, well, I mean, I, I there's think... no way to predict it, but your way is more likely to happen. Yeah, I, I think there's an element of truth to that, and, you know, conspiracy theorists... Are you know function um, in some to some extent, but at this point it's gonna have to be it's a too big of a conspiracy. I think uh, no matter the government, um, no matter how fucked up things are, usually uh, except in the case of dictatorships, uh, the people get their way sooner or later. So uh, as long as the majority of uh, the Vietnamese uh, youth or, or um, young adults. Uh, decide that this isn't going to stand anymore. Uh, once they become more prominent, then it won't stand anymore. It, it'll go away. It'll go back to the way it was, or or uh, to an improved state. So, I just I think it's oh, such I, a foolish move so. for 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 you know it it shouldn't you know uh, the elders should be catering to the young, not the other way around. So yeah. 
love, no love for the old. For no, dude, Luka. we're called elder geeks, and for, for for all sakes, but but I mean, you know, the ten year old kid kid that loves Nintendo and loves uh, you know Wii Sports, he is technically uh, ha- has more claim to the future than I do, because I'm gonna die before him, most likely. Oh. So well, maybe the other way, any any of the Wii Sports fans won't live longer than you, Mon. <laughs> just, just waiting on my gun order. <laughs> maybe they'll open up the Vietnamese Ministry of Gaming, and then they'll start making games for everyone. <laughs> maybe you will Propaganda play. film. <laughs> okay. Ah, uh, well, always, always, always a nice. Um, what so a socio political discussion to round out a good epi- a good news list? I'm I am I'm done. I am newsed out for this week, guys. Yeah, it sounds good. It sounds good. Um, we're gonna end it there, and we're gonna come back next week, hopefully only with one episode and not three. So um, yeah, uh, stay tuned and uh, and uh, comment on all our stuff because that is so awesome that you do that now. So yeah. I love it. Chief, can you hear me?